Well, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 15. And then uh, keep your finger there, your neighbor's finger there, something. Turn to John chapter number 9. Proverbs 15 and John chapter number 9. We've been studying through the book of Proverbs and we're going to stop after chapter 15. I told you I wanted to do a series on the topic of eternity and uh, what the Bible says about that. And then we can come back to it if that's the Lord's plan in it all. Uh, But tonight I want to deal with a topic that you don't normally connect with the book of Proverbs. If I were to say, you know, let's, let's do a Bible study on prayer, uh, you might think of Jeremiah 33 or uh, where the Bible says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Or maybe James chapter 5 where it's uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. Or Luke 11 where the Lord was teaching the disciples to pray and Luke 18, where the Lord used a parable. There are a lot of passages that we would think of uh, to look at the topic of prayer. But here in Proverbs chapter 15, uh, there, is, uh, there are two of three verses in the book of Proverbs that deal with prayer. So look down at verse number nine. The Bible says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth, the prayer of the righteous. So you see that uh, dichotomy, that uh, opposite statements, one and then the opposite effect. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Look back up at verse number eight of chapter 15. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The prayer of the upright is a delight to our God. Then we look over in John chapter 9, sort of a New Testament correlative passage. In John chapter 9, I'll begin reading in verse 28. The Bible says, Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not what, uh, from whence he is. The man, and this is the blind man that the Lord gave his sight to, uh, the man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So John chapter 9 verse 31 is in some sense a parallel of Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 29. The third passage of Proverbs that speaks on prayer is chapter 28, verse 9, where the Bible says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. 
So as you think about these three Proverbs speaking on prayer, just a couple of things to set the groundwork. In verse number eight, it says that the prayer of the righteous is, or the upright, is a delight to our God. That word delight speaks of favor or has acceptance. The prayer of the upright, if you'll allow me the privilege of paraphrasing, is accepted by God. It's not a standard of performance, it's a heart issue of being right before God. In Proverbs 28 verse nine, it says that the person who turns their ear away from God, even their prayer is abomination to God. Now I know abomination is a big Bible word, but if you want to know what abomination means, it means that which God hates. It is an abhorrence to God. So when you read the scriptures and you come to something that is described as an abomination, it means that which God despises. So a person who is living apart from God, not in obedience to God, but they're in a crisis. They go to pray. God says that is an abomination. I'm not interested in hearing your prayer. And then our text here in verse 29 the Lord is far from the wicked, but the encouragement, he heareth the prayer of the upright. So once again, we see this contrast comparison between the upright or the righteous and the wicked. It's true in salvation. The wicked face an eternity apart from God, facing eternal judgment where those who have the righteousness of Christ by salvation have eternal life, eternity in the presence of God. It's true in the life that we're called to live. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. The Bible teaches us that the righteous live in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is our, uh, indwells us. He is our comforter, our helper, our teacher, our guide through this journey called life. And here in these texts, it is true in this area of prayer. The Bible says that God does not even hear the prayer of those that are not walking in obedience to God compared to the upright or the righteous. That might cause you to say, well, wait a second. I thought you've told us God knows everything. God sees everything. God hears everything. And that is true. Then what does it mean when it says here in our text that the Lord is far from the wicked? Well, wait a second. I thought God was omnipresent. I thought he was everywhere all the time. I, you've said, Pastor, that we can never be somewhere God is not. These are terms that are used to teach us the truth. It's not that God is not aware of the unrighteous prayer or the rebellious prayer or the person who is not right with God's prayer. It is that God does not respond 
to their prayer. It's not that God is not close enough by to hear their prayer. It is as if they never had prayed. Though God knows every prayer every pray, ever prayed, God hears every word that is uttered and God is present everywhere all the time. The Bible is teaching this simple truth. If you want your prayers answered, if you want God to respond to your prayers, you have to walk in obedience to him. You're not righteous because of you. This is not promoting a pharisaical self-righteousness. Salvation, we're righteous in Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ. That's what justification means. We are accepted because of Christ, not because of us. But it's a matter of heart obedience, heart desire, heart surrender. And it's not sinless perfection. That means none of us would ever have our prayer answered. So God does not respond to, you know, sometimes you hear somebody say, and you know they're not saved, you've witnessed to them, whatever. Oh man, I need you to pray with me about that. I, I need, I, I, I'm praying that God will do this. And you want to say, my friend, if you're not part of the family and you're not seeking after God, you're wasting your breath. Now God will always hear the prayer of repentance. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's when God hears that prayer. But apart from that, if you, wanna, if you have determined, you know what, God's not going to tell you what to do. You're going to do what you want to do. You're not going to live in surrender to God. You're wasting your breath when you pray. But God delights in the prayer of those who seek after him. God is attuned and attent, uh, attentive to the prayer of those who are in their, in their sincerity seeking after him. It's a pair, uh, the privilege of being in a, son, a son in a right relationship with their God. A simple illustration. You've been in a social setting with other friends and the group of kids have been uh, playing and all of a sudden, one child lets go with a scream. Not every mother jumps up, but the mother of that child does. That's mine. They know the voice of their child. Isn't, aren't you glad that your God knows your voice when you cry out to him? At that point, when no one else knows and no one else cares, God knows, God cares and he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Psalm 34, verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them to do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Now our time is short, but let me just give you a couple of illustrations that the Bible tells us will keep God from responding to our prayers. Okay, I've got six. I doubt that I'll give them all to you for sake of time. But the Bible says God will not deal with our prayers when we know we're not right and we don't deal with it. We know there's something there. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You say, well, what does it mean to regard iniquity? 
The word regard means to see it, to know it, and the idea is to do nothing about it. The Spirit of God's convicted you. That attitude's not right. That word you spoke wasn't right. You weren't honest with that customer, whatever. And you say, ah, oh, it's not that big a deal. Not, you know, just sweep it under the rug. The Bible says if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. The Bible talks about when we have a hard heart. You know, the Baptist anthem, I will not be moved. No, I'm not going to change. No, I'm not going to respond. No, I'm not going to do that. I, I don't care what the Bible says. No. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 1.28, Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They did not choose to respond because God instructed them, no, I, I, I'm just not going to do that. We're, we're talking about upcoming revival meetings. What a revival. To, to stir our cold hearts to be hot again, to restore the backsliding back to a right walk. And God says a backslidden heart is not heard. Proverbs 28, verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. You say, what does it mean to turn your ear away? If you've ever had children you dealt with, you know exactly what that means. You speak to them to correct them, and they turn away. I didn't hear that. Was there something said over there? Oh, no. When you say, hey, hey, How many times did we do that to God? God says, you know what? You know that's not right. Oh, I didn't hear that. Who, me? I'm sure that was for my brother or my sister, but not me. When we are turning away from God. I'll give you one more because of time. When we don't maintain right family relationships, you know, husbands, the main reason, one of the main reasons why you ought to work to be a good husband and lead your wife and love your wife, that your prayers be not hindered. First Peter 3, 7, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. What does it mean to be hindered? The word literally means to be cut down, cut off made useless or fruitless, not answered. Not answered. That's what it means. But the positive side, God doesn't hear the prayer. God chooses not to act on the prayer of those who not, are not right with him. But the second half of the verse goes on to say, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. In the Hebrew language, what I read was that the, the word to hear or the words to hear means that God not only hears, but he responds. God does something in response to the prayer of the righteous. Jesus said, John 15, 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. 
Joshua chapter 10, verse 14. When Joshua prayed for God to keep the sun from going down, the the phrase in that verse says, and the Lord hearkened unto the voice of the man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Earlier in chapter 15, verse number eight, the second half, the prayer of the upright is his delight. When we are walking with the Lord, seeking him, trying to live a life pleasing to him, God delights. It brings great pleasure to God for his children to pray. John, the beloved apostle, writing 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Just to emphasize, this is not self-righteousness. This is the righteousness of Christ. I've used this analogy many times, but it really fits here. The analogy of a father wanting to care for his children. I always found great pleasure when my kids had a need to meet that need. I didn't say all their wants, but their needs. Even to this day, it it gives delight when you know there's a need and it's within your power to meet that need. You're able to meet that need. It brings great pleasure. I, I am not surprised then that our Heavenly Father, who is love, who is, gave his only begotten Son so that we could be born into his family, delights to meet the needs of his children. Our God sees all. He knows all. And he answers the prayers of those who come to him on the basis of the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ. We read John 9, verse 31 a moment ago. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. You say, okay, pastor, I know. I've got to keep short accounts with God. I can't harbor sin. I can't ignore when the spirit of God speaks to me. I know I need to deal with those things so that God hears and responds to my prayer. Let me give you a couple other things from John chapter nine. You say, I want to know my prayers are heard. I want to know my prayers will be answered. Well, John 9, 31 says, God hears the prayers of those who worship him. If any man be a worshiper of God, him he heareth. Remember that dialogue between Jesus witnessing to the woman at the well in Samaria. He said that they that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. So worship is not attending a worship service. Worship is a lifestyle. It's living your life in the presence of the reality of your God. A daily continual conversation, a daily awareness of his awareness of you. You know, uh, I'm trying to think. I read a quote today 
Uh, I should have written it in my notes. I wrote it down one place, but not here. This is a paraphrase because I, I, I know I'm not getting it exactly right, but I get the point right. Prayer can do all things because God can do all things. Prayer is not about us, friend. Prayer is recognizing we're nothing, but he's everything. Let me tell you something. If you're really praying, you are humbled in that action. We like to promote what we can do. In prayer, we are promoting what we cannot do. But we're going to the one who can. If any man be a worshiper of God, him he heareth. Secondly, if anyone is obedient to God, him he heareth. You see, prayer is heard and answered in obedience. Our prayers are heard and answered in obedience. King Saul learned that the hard way. Rebellion always brings God's judgment. Obedience always brings God's blessing. What happened? Saul obeyed 96.9%. I'm just making it up. But the vast majority of that command, Saul did. He wiped out everybody but the king. I don't know what the population was, but, you know, that, that's 99% certainty. He wiped out all the flocks except the fattest that were good for sacrifice. Aren't I a good guy? And God said, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey. You see, God doesn't need our sacrifice. God wants us. God wants us obedience. Every parent here loves it when their children obey them. How much more does your heavenly father love it when you and I obey them? God wanted to hear from his children, but they had to meet his conditions. Deal with the sin. Deal with the heart. Deal with the self-centered life. Deal with your marriage relationships and worship me and obey me. And the Bible says, he heareth the prayer of the upright. He delights in the prayer of the upright. You say, Pastor Wall, I really want to please God. Then get in the right condition and pray. Just get right and pray. And God will delight in your prayer. You won't hear it when we're doing our own thing, going our own way, maintaining our own style. But when we say, God, I'm nothing, you're everything. I'm, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to obey you. God says, oh, well, here's somebody I can bless. Here's somebody that's going to give me honor and glory. Here's somebody that's going to give me praise. And I will pour out my blessing on them. He delights in the prayer of the upright.